Hey, it's going to be a hot, 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 ridiculously hot Tuesday. Did I see 111 for the high today with like a heat index of 115? Old people can't handle that. I am I, I'm going to have to stay indoors. I am not going to venture outside except uh, driving back home and going right into the house. That's a little ridiculous. Actually, that is a lot ridiculous. I mean, come on. 111 with a heat index of 116? I tell you what, Mike. It sure would be an inconvenient time to be having AC issues, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. And if you have AC issues, ladies and gentlemen, you know to call Mr. Reliable himself. How many big field goals did Tim Lasher make during his great career at the University of Oklahoma? Pretty much all of them, right? Lasher Home Comfort Systems, they'll get the work done for you. Tune up that AC right now if you haven't already. Give them a call at 405-579-3113 for all your heating and air needs. Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. And that, folks, is how you tee up a promo. That is a segue right there. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, um, I wanted to start with recruiting, but really I think the news that trumps any recruiting stuff today, even though the Sooners moved up to number nine, number nine, Number nine, number nine, Beatles White Album. Uh, in the 247 rankings, they keep moving on up like the Jeffersons. It's very impressive. But Joe Castiglione uh, telling the uh, Texas High School Coaches Association, I guess, yesterday that Oklahoma and Texas will be in the Big 12 to, until 2025, which would mean through the grant of rights. Joe C. is a stand-up guy. He's a tremendous athletic director. He has been the best AD in Sooner history. Do you take him 100% at his word saying that, though, that the Sooners will play three more football seasons in the Big 12 Conference? I mean, not to accuse Joe Castiglione of obfuscating the truth, but... Much like Greg Sankey's comments the other day about how the SEC doesn't expect Oklahoma and Texas to join the conference until 2025, it feels like that's what they have to say. We're right? living that's- in a Bob Dylan world right now. The times they are changing, and they're changing every day. So, yes, currently, maybe that is the plan for Oklahoma and Texas, or not necessarily the plan, but just the reality of the situation because of uh, where everything sits right now. But I would still be surprised if the Sooners played three more football seasons in the Big 12. Wouldn't you? As would most people, I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it's kind of like, hey, you know what? You're going to get this brand new shiny car. It's coming to you four years down the road, by the way. Keep doing what you're doing. You're like, what? <laughs> four years? Come on. I can't wait that long. I don't have that kind of patience. Um, so, I don't know. I, look, Sooner fans, we thought that there was a good chance Oklahoma and Texas might be in the SEC this fall. That did not come to fruition. However, I think Sooner fans, you know, after this year, they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready. And, again, the uh, the conference realignment world, we keep shuffling chairs and everything. USC and UCLA to the Big Ten last week. Now, apparently, one of the two, either the Big 12 or the Pac-12, did not swipe rights. They're not getting together. So, it uh, depends on who you believe. Uh, you know, that uh, apparently, if you dig deep, the Big 12 initiated this conversation, but – they couldn't get along and they, or they couldn't agree on what they wanted to do. You know, even with that, though, I, I still don't think that's the end of what could happen there because things change so quickly right now in college football. I, I just don't know. But, again, I, I just can't see Oklahoma and Texas. And, again, Chris Del Conte said the same thing today. You know, they're planning on doing the right thing and honoring their commitment, and that's great after you hit the uh, the other ADs in the head with a two-by-four from behind last summer to say that but look sooner fans they don't want to wait three more years in the big 12 but maybe that will happen i because i just don't know man nothing surprises me anymore in this wacky world of college football uh you can say something one week things change the next week and then you're off to something else the week after that right the deck's being reshuffled all the time. Now, look, I don't think there's going to be any major shuffling happening maybe uh, that quickly after the Trojans and uh, UCLA made their move to the Big Ten, and they'll be playing again in the Big Ten next year. 
But And look, like I said, I've got tremendous respect for Joe Castiglione. I've seen all the athletic directors. Uh, the first one that I remember at OU was Wade Walker. Uh, and they've had some good ones. But nobody has done what Joe C. has done. He's been tremendous. And again, I think for the most part, look, when you're in a somewhat political position, you always have to say the right thing. Sometimes you may not do the right thing. I think the right it was the right move for Oklahoma and Texas last year to decide, you know what, we like what we've got in the SEC. It's going to be a financial bonanza. We know the way that college football, where it's headed, and we want to positions our, position ourselves for the next 25, 50 years in that conference. But it was. It was a bold move, and it was, to some people, it was a greedy, selfish move. But guess what? In this day and age, if you're not somewhat greedy and somewhat selfish, you can be left behind. So, again, a lot of respect for Joe C., but I just don't know, man. Three more years in the Big 12, what do you guys think? What do you think? Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. I think what bolsters my confidence in this move happening pre-2025 is the fact that we're seeing more and more in college football over recent months in particular that money runs everything. Oh, yeah. Gordon Gecko should be the commissioner of college football. That's who we need. That's the reason why realignment is happening. It's It's certainly not happening because of geography. It's not happening because of a desire for a more holistic structure in college football. It's happening because of money. It's happening because these athletic programs want to position themselves as best they can from a financial perspective. So, with that in mind, I find it very hard to believe that with how much money is going to be on the table for Oklahoma and Texas upon their membership in the SEC find it very, very hard to believe that they're going to forego that kind of money for another three years in the name of doing the right thing. Because, let's be honest, Mike, what is the right thing in college football at this point in time? What is the standard of morality by which college football administrators and powers that be abide? This is almost kill or be killed, or evolve or devolve. It's Nick Saban called the uh, mega conference. Uh, that we're looking at now, the mega conferences, certainly with the SEC and the Big Ten, a caste system. So you are either going to be hanging out with royalty or you're going to be with the serfs, the commoners, and the plebeians, right? And you don't want to be, you want to avoid being a serf or a commoner in this situation. And we know where the royalty resides, the SEC and the Big Ten. Now, again, am I saying that Oklahoma State is a commoner in this situation? Not really. Oklahoma State is still. Uh, Oklahoma State is going to be in, like, the upper middle class. But it, it's like Oklahoma and Texas are headed to Gallardia, and Oklahoma State is staying in Nichols Hills. Kind of like that. Does that make sense? I'm with you. But, you know, and again, I would love to see, you know, if the SEC expands and they go six more teams and maybe the Big Ten goes four or six more teams, maybe Oklahoma State is a seat at the table. I hope Oklahoma State gets a seat at that table. I, I just want to see that happen. I know there are a lot of Sooner fans, oh, screw the Aggies, you know, we don't need that. Let them, you know, reside wherever they wind up. But I would still like to see that happen. Do I think it's going to happen? I, I just don't know. I, I think right now that, um, you know, it looks like the SEC, based on what Greg Sankey is saying, that they feel good about where they stand right now. And they're not going to do anything. Uh, you know, panicky, or they're not going to do anything where they're reactive to what the Big Ten's doing right now. Burley so. Boomer on the text line says, nobody in their right mind pays an $80 million exit fee. However, the business minds out there will negotiate a lesser amount and will leave early to make back $100 million in SEC payouts. I say 2023. So he's talking about one more season in the Big 12, and that very well could happen again because it is about the money. yes. And, you know, I've heard some crazy, like I said, the one crazy thing that I remember hearing earlier was, well, Texas will help Oklahoma with their exit fee. Are, seriously? Like, like if the situation was reversed, you think Oklahoma is going to say, you know what, we got half your exit fee, no biggie. It's a lot of money you're talking about. But, again, it's all about that exit fee, that buyout. Is there a way around that? You know, I don't know if the network gets involved with that. Can they? 
But yes, it's about. I I know that we're talking about Oklahoma and Texas when they eventually get to the SEC making about 110 million or 105 million per year in that conference. But still, 80 million dollars. Even though we're talking about you know a conference that's going to generate you know a couple billion dollars, that's still a lot of money right now. You know, it is so. That is the issue, is how that is going to be paid, or can it be paid, or will it be paid by, you know, ESPN? Will it be, you know, will somebody else step in and help out with that? I don't know. But I just can't see it lasting to 2025. But look, I've been wrong. I could be wrong on this. Joe C., Chris Del Conte both said that the other day. Realtor Chris says, you just pissed off everybody in Nichols Hills. (laughs) Nichols Hills is a fine neighborhood. There's no doubt. There's a lot of history there. It's still a great neighborhood. But you know what I'm saying. So, anyway. All right, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We, of course, want your input. You always give us some great input on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. This is an appropriate song right now for college football because, yes, everybody wants to rule the world right now. And I still think Greg Sankey is ruling it at this point. All right, stay with us. Just getting underway. Steel Man and Thune here on a Tuesday on the Ref Radio Network. All right, here we go. We're back on a Tuesday. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. So yesterday at the uh, Texas High School Association Conference in San Antonio, Josie said, quote, look, I know a lot of people are asking a lot of questions, and it's fair. There's a lot of changing around us. Uh, If that facilitates a conversation that needs to take place about an earlier departure, then it does. But I've said very consistently, and my counterpart, Chris Del Conte, has said the same thing, as have our presidents, that we informed the conference that we would be uh, there until 25, and we plan on fulfilling our obligations and do the honorable thing. Chris Del Conte said, we're in the Big 12. We're going to honor our commitments. Those things are all premature. Again, I still think that door is is open, and I don't think it's barely cracked open. I still think it's it's not totally wide open, but it's it's there. It's there. I would still be surprised. Three more football seasons in the Big 12. I just can't see it for Oklahoma and Texas. But we shall see. We shall see what happens. Like I said, things are changing. Uh, it was kind of all quiet in the college football front. We were all talking about – you know, NIL, the transfer portal, Brian Kelly, Mule Shoe, Nick Saban versus Jimbo Fisher, all of that stuff. And then we got the Gap Band dropped the bomb on us with uh, USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten recently. And who knows what uh, the next major move is going to be uh, in college football. Speaking of the Sooners and the SEC, Kirk Herbstreet speaking out recently said the Sooners, they're going to have to, as good as they've been, obviously in the Big 12, OU is still going to have to raise the bar headed to the SEC. They're going to have to raise the bar. And I think that's one of the things Brent Venables recognized right away when he got to OU. You know, he was there as a coordinator for a lot of, a lot of years, had a lot of success with Bob Stoops, goes to Clemson and sees – Boy, they're doing things a little bit differently here. When Dabo needs something, Dabo gets it. You know, Clemson was, even though they're in the ACC, they're competing against Alabama. They're competing against Ohio State. So Brent was kind of a co-pilot to, to Dabo and, and to Dan Radakovich, who was his AD. And he was seeing the way Clemson was do, dealing with things when it came to the revenue that it takes to be um, an elite program and the kind of recruiting. I think he got to Oklahoma and he thought, hey, guys, you're doing a great job here in the Big 12. But if you're trying to go over there into the SEC, we're going to have to go to a whole different level as far as commitment. And I think that's right now that's where Oklahoma, they're trying to kind of mm-hmm. kind of kind of stabilize themselves. And I think OU, Texas is as well with Sark being in Alabama. They're going to have to raise the bar as far as what it's going to take to compete with those big boys. There you go. And that means additional staff. That means more money. All of that. And so far, on the outside looking in a little bit, it certainly looks like Brent is getting what he wants. Don't you think, Parker, when you talk about, you know, the consultants that they have as well, the sole mission, they're providing a lot of stuff that Brent, uh, I think, wanted. Now, I, I don't know if that was part of the conversation about him taking the head coaching job. I'm sure it was at least discussed. 
But it looks like Brent is getting uh, what he wants so far. Well, and I think a lot, as Kirk kind of touched on in that soundbite, has to do with the structure that Brent Venables experienced at Clemson and the structure that ultimately led Clemson to two national titles during Venable's decade there. And so when he took the head coaching job at Oklahoma, I think the immediate challenge was to juxtapose the Clemson structure with the Oklahoma identity. And if you're able to do that successfully and expediently, you have the opportunity to build a semi-dynasty of a football program because that's what Clemson was under – Dabo Sweeney while Brent Venables was there. They, they were not a dynasty, but they were definitely on the precipice. And anytime you win multiple national championships in a five-year span in the sport of college football, that's impressive at face value. But to do it in the midst of a true dynastic run in Tuscaloosa for Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide is all the more impressive. So if you can replicate structurally what Clemson did, and marry it with the Oklahoma identity, the tradition, the history, everything that makes OU football OU football. That's where you have the opportunity to do something special and to build not just a national championship team, but a national championship program at OU. Yeah, and look, we had talked about this before. What was Clemson known for before Dabo and Brent and that group got there? They were known for Clemsoning. It was an adjective. You would underachieve. You wouldn't win the big game. Uh, you know, Clemson always seemed to be that program that, yeah, they're pretty good, but, man, they could be better. And uh, with Dabo and with Brent's help, they took that next step. And like I said, when you talk about uh, the college football playoff era, it's Bama one. Clemson, too, probably. Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma's, you know, probably in that fifth spot uh, during this era. Alabama has been the best, obviously, but Clemson's been right there. Like I said, they're basically an SEC school playing in the ACC. They're competing head-to-head with Bama, Georgia, all the, the heavyweights in college football and winning their fair share. And one of the things that we've seen, Uh, Brent do again and successful people do this man they take from their mentors a little bit from each one whether it's Bill Snyder or Bob Stoops or Dabo and what are we seeing with Brent's recruiting philosophy right now again that had people so worried for so long until Oklahoma just rocketed up the team rankings now they're number nine in the 247 team rankings is that you know the way they're approaching commitments if you want to commit to us you're committed. Okay, don't take another visit. And I don't know how many schools are doing that, but that seems to be that worked pretty well uh, at Clemson, right? I mean, they've done, they've done a nice job recruiting, and again, they're having another good year. But uh, what? Where else are we seeing that? Like I said, you can't you can't win a national championship on the cheap in college football. And I'm no, not saying cannot. I'm not saying the Sooners are. I don't think they are, but. Compared to what's going on maybe at Bama or Georgia or Clemson or even Ohio State, I don't know. But I know that Nick Saban's got a lot of guys. He's got his own rehab program for coaches, right? Steve Sarkeesian was part of that. Mike Stoops was part of that. Uh, who's the guy? Butch Jones was part of that, right? Bill O'Brien. Bill He's O'Brien. experiencing it right now. You know, so it, it look, it's costly, but you're investing in a business or a corporation. And these big-time college football programs like Oklahoma are corporations, pretty much. You've almost got to run it like that. And where I see it, too, is all the uh, the hires that Brent's getting, not just on his staff, but all these consultants like Matt Wells, right, coming aboard. I forgot about Matt Wells. I mean, Texas just guess, went out and got Gary Patterson, right? And, yeah. You know, well, the, and- I think that's going to be the new norm in college football, too, is there's going to be a lot more off-field coaching positions that get occupied by folks like Matt Wells and Gary Patterson. Because if you're in Matt Wells' shoes or you're in Gary Patterson's shoes, you've had a career that spans several decades in the coaching profession. You've got plenty of money to where you could realistically retire if you wanted to, but your love for the game keeps you in it, and – after getting cast away uh, as the head coach at TCU in Patterson's case and at Texas Tech in Matt Wells' case, 
if you're going to rebound, right, if you're going to build back to where you once were uh, as a highly respected name in the coaching profession to the point where you're going to be in contention for a big-time Power 5 job uh, and a high-paying Power 5 job at that, do you would you rather take a job as a coordinator for some group of five team like Fresno State or Nevada or would you rather associate yourself with a historic college football brand the likes of Oklahoma or the likes of Texas help the program in an off-field role potentially be a part of something great something with a legacy at that institution and then be able to parlay that into perhaps a more significant position on that staff or a more significant position on the staff of a of a peer program. So I think it makes a lot of sense for people like Matt Wells and Gary Patterson to do what people like Matt Wells and Gary Patterson are doing right now. Yeah, and, and look, if you're Matt Wells, not only are you going to be around uh, the Oklahoma football program, and he's, he's an Oklahoma guy, but you are seeing how Brent Venables did this from the start. You're not coming in in year three or whatever. You're seeing how he's uh, building a culture at Oklahoma right now, how he's approaching that, how he's structuring his organization, all of that stuff. I think uh, for a guy like Matt Wells, it's a really good situation for him. But, uh, again, I wonder – and golly, am I going to protect this guy? I don't think I am. Oh, no. Maybe I am. But I, I think, you know, everybody, the, the instant narrative, well, Muleshoe was afraid of the SEC and he wanted to run. And he had an opportunity to run, and that's why he ran, because of the SEC. I really think that probably part of Lincoln Riley's issue when he got that news was thinking, you know what, uh, if we're going to the SEC, things need to be happening. You know, I'm going to need this, I'm going to need that. And maybe he wasn't getting some of that. We know how he felt about compliance. Um. And that, apparently, there were some issues there. But uh, maybe that was part of the issue is he was thinking, well, you know, I've, I've got to have a lot more than what I have right now. And I've, I'm not saying it's a horrible situation. We're winning at Oklahoma, but we're going to need more. And maybe he felt like he couldn't get more. I don't know. Uh, and I'm not defending the guy. I still think it was a weak move. But uh, clearly, uh, Brent Venables, the good news is he appears to be getting pretty much what he needs so far, as best we can tell, you know, from the outside looking in. All right, thank you again to Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. You need AC work done. That AC man is going to be working hard today, 111 for the high. I'm seeing a heat index of 115. That's ridiculous, man. That's ridiculous. All right, we've got a lot more ahead. we got a bunch of texts rolling in. We'll get to them all when we get back right here on The Ref. Okay, it is a Tuesday. It is going to be uh, sizzling out there. So I know you're staying indoors. Hopefully you are. All right, Riverwind Casino's got a great, great, great promotion for July. If you like a little deep-sea fishing action, man, this promotion is uh, right there for you. From now until July 30th, the top five players who earn the highest number of points on specified e-game machines over at Riverwind are going to win a trip to the Florida Keys and a guided fishing trip as well, valued at nearly $5,400. Plus, you're going to get $2,000 in bonus play and $1,000 in cash. That's unbelievable. And don't forget to join the folks out at Riverwind for Casting for Cash. Hot seat drawings each Tuesday, so tonight from 6 to 8.30 p.m., and every Saturday from noon until 5 p.m., Casting for Cash. That sounds like a heck of a deal. Like I said, you don't have to be just uh, the number one points accumulator on these specified e-game machines over at Riverwind Casino. You only have to be in the top five. You can get out there, accumulate points on those machines. If you're in the top five, you're going to the Florida Keys for the guided fishing trip have a little fun out there in the florida keys you're going to get two thousand dollars in bonus play and a thousand dollars in cash as well that's a heck of a deal from our friends over at riverwind casino simply the best all right air comfort solutions text line let's get to some of the best texts and here we go let's do it 405-651-3439 I noticed the Tom Petty bumper music, and I still wonder what people saw in him. I think the music is okay, but his vocals sound like he needs to go to a nervous hospital, I reckon. That comes from Kevin in Tulsa, who is now blocked. (laughs) I like some Tom Petty. Seriously, Kevin. 
I mean, I, how can you dislike Tom Petty? I mean, does Perhaps he have a classic most- voice? No, but everything works. He's such a good. The songs were so good, though. His voice is iconic, and is it conventional? No. No. Neither is Neil just, Young's, right? Or, exactly. You know, if it just works. Billy Corgan doesn't have a great voice, but the music works. It all comes together. A lot of folks hitting the text line about Stacy Gage transferring away from IMG Academy to Wharton High School in Tampa and how that affects OU's chances with him. I'm not sure it affects it at all, to be honest. Um, I think Stacy Gage is still very pro-Oklahoma. And obviously has a lot of ties to the state and has grown up a fan of the university. I still believe that Stacey Gage is a Sooner regardless of where he's playing high school football. So the move from IMG to Wharton doesn't really concern me a whole heck of a lot. Gage and David Stone both, do you still feel good about for Oklahoma? I do. I do. I don't think it's necessarily an open and shut slam dunk that either of those guys end up at Oklahoma, even with David Stone, but... I think David Stone is as safe a bet as anybody in that 2024 class to be in Oklahoma City. Well, a lot of people are certainly hoping. It's it's almost like they have uh, instantaneously uh, a good feeling about the 2024 class because everybody assumes Stacey Gage and David Stone are going to be a part of that class. So we shall see. Bruce on the text line says, Is Brent getting the deserved attention and recognition? He has five national championships compared to none for Muleshoe. Does OU's PR machine need to boost his image? I feel Muleshoe got so much more attention when he got to OU. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the attention now is, you know, because Brent hasn't been a head coach so far. He's been a great coordinator. And look, if you're a uh, hardcore college football fan, you absolutely, I'm talking about nationally, not uh, Oklahomans obviously know all about Brent, but you still know Brent Venables. Most of them know Brent Venables because you've seen the sideline cutaways in all those playoff games, and uh, there would always been a lot of talk about uh, Brent Venables. I don't know, but how much do you think Muleshoe got a little bit more? Well, here's here's why I think that perception exists, Mike. It's because I think when Muleshoe took the job, there were much fewer question marks around him as far as the team and the personnel because as you'll recall Bob Stoops legend that he is stepped down in mid-June and handed the keys to the Mercedes to Muleshoe right and so everybody kind of had the understanding that this team's still going to be just as good in all likelihood as we already thought they were going to be heading into 2017 because it's Bob's team it's Bob's program Really, nothing has changed except for Lincoln now has the head coaching duties in addition to the offensive coordinator duties. When Brent stepped in, you were in the midst of a situation in which you lost your in, both of your incumbent scholarship quarterbacks. Several key contributors on the offensive side of the ball, including Jaden Hazelwood and Mario Williams. Uh, you lost half your defense to the NFL uh, when you think about Isaiah Thomas, Asamoah, Benito, uh, Perrion Winfrey, Delarian Turner-Yell. You lose all those guys to the NFL. You lose Patrick Fields to Stanford. So I think the lack of continuity from one season to the next is probably what exacerbates the public concern about Brent Venables as head coach because – Muleshoe got it so easy, man. Oh, like, yeah, well, he looks just, for easy. Yeah, uh, like no, nothing changed one day to the next for Muleshoe, except all of a sudden he had a way bigger office and the title of head coach. Yeah, and you, and you look at that, and it's kind of like Bob Stoops was passing the baton to Lincoln Riley. You know, you were just running the relay race, and he was the next re- leg in the relay. It, it's almost like Brent, the perception was that Brent wasn't given a baton. He was given a fire extinguisher to put out the fires. Right? I mean, and he did an excellent job of that. Think of the recruiting class they ended up putting together. Bob Stoops, a big part of that. But, yeah, it's it's all about the timing. And plus, you know, when uh, when Muleshoe was given the baton by Bob, given the keys to the Mercedes, as you, uh, you know, said, which is a good analogy, you know, I, I think that, you know, you weren't thinking about the NIL wasn't there. The transfer portal wasn't nearly as prevalent. It was prevalent, but it's not nearly what it is today. So people – we're pushing the panic button. When Bob made that move, people were sad to see Bob go because, like I said, all Bob Stoops did was resurrect Oklahoma football. He pulled a Lazarus on that deal. 
Uh, but everybody thought, yeah, Lincoln Riley, he's pretty impressive, and uh, you know he's got a great reputation. The beat goes on. Sonny and Cher. With Brent, it was more like, uh-oh, uh-oh, things are changing, and this happened so quickly it wasn't anticipated. This could be a major problem for Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, the portal, the parties, we saw plenty of those, obviously Caleb Williams, but I think the way that Brent Venables and this new staff have – uh, come back and, you know, done a great job themselves through the portal and recruiting. It's been pretty impressive. So, totally different situation. Is a number one overall recruiting class at OU realistic? Not necessarily this year, but ever. Is the geography our biggest hurdle? I think it is realistic. And to be honest, I I don't know how much of a cop-out answer this is. Like, this, this probably isn't the sports columnist take you're looking for. But, honestly, the holdup is probably going to be NIL. If there's one thing that holds Oklahoma back from a number one recruiting class, it's going to be NIL. And, look, at the end of the day, in most cases, the number one recruiting class is just as good as the number five recruiting class. You really are splitting hairs. But... Five stars, man, they just treat their recruitments differently. The people around them treat their recruitments differently. It's like as soon as you have that fifth star, man, it's a whole different animal. And it becomes so much more of a production. Everything becomes so much more of a production. Oklahoma got one of the low drama guys, and we're very fortunate to do so in Jackson Arnold. But in today's day and age, if you're going to put together a number one overall recruiting class – you're going to have to have multiple five-stars in that class, and what is inevitably going to come with a recruiting class that includes multiple five-stars is a lot of drama, a lot of headache, a lot of suspense, particularly leading into National Signing Day. Because when you have a five-star and when you have several five-stars in your class – there's going to be all kinds of money thrown at them elsewhere yeah, by you, programs like Miami and Texas A&M. You figure going from a four to a five-star, if you could put a financial number on that, that might be worth a million bucks for a kid. You know? I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that, um, particularly if you're a quarterback. I mean, it, it makes a big difference. So, yes, uh, the NIL, and uh, interesting you bring that up because I want to play a couple clips from uh, – Lane Kiffin coming up in the next segment talking about that, uh, and I thought they were pretty good. But, yeah, that has certainly changed the dynamic as well, no doubt about it. The transfer portal, the NIL, will there ever be uh, any kind of, uh, you know, universal rules on that where people really know what they can and cannot do? Wasn't supposed to be about recruiting. It was supposed to be about when you're there, you profit off your name, image, and likeness. Spencer Rattler did it last year. Caleb Williams did it last year. It was never meant to be a recruiting inducement, and it certainly has become that. All right, let's break right here. We will hear some audio from uh, SEC Media Days. Apparently, uh, Nick Saban and Jimbo are all good now, at least they say. But I thought that uh, Lane Kiffin had some interesting stuff to say as well. Plus, we're going to get into Sooner. Football recruiting as well. Number nine now for Oklahoma nationally in the 247 team rankings. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here on a Thursday. That's the sound of the NIL money right there. Stay with us. We're coming right back on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. It is Tuesday. I'm Mike Steely. He's Parker Thune. You're you. And uh, welcome in. If you're just joining us, we're going to the Air Comfort Solutions text line again here in a second. Uh, I want to save, actually, some of the Lane Kiffin stuff until the top of the hour that I thought was pretty good on uh, NIL. Uh, And jump into Sooner football recruiting. We know that uh, the Lewis Carter commitment over the weekend was great for Oklahoma. The Sooners are now up to number nine, number nine in the 247 team ranking. So the Sooners, again, uh, the lowest I saw Oklahoma, I think, was 39 and that was, I don't know, maybe like six, seven weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago. And when everybody was pushing the panic button, everybody was pushing the panic button. Another three-star for Oklahoma, great. Yeah, that's going to help. And guess what? Now Brent's uh, philosophy is starting to pay off, and uh, the Sooners are looking like they're in very good shape. Okay. I just hope – that this wises everybody up and that we only have to do this whole charade once. 
I hope that next year when Oklahoma has like the number 40 class in the nation in May, people aren't freaking out all over again. Oh, there'll, because be, some, at, there'll be some freakers. Yeah, because at that point, we'll just take the day off and play one of our archived shows from this June. They're, they're also, you've called them the uh, Crimson Chicken Littles. How the about CCLs, the, yes. the Bloomer Doomers. Ooh, I like that. They're doomsday people That's on catchy. recruiting, the Boomer Doomers. They, you know, they've got the underground shelter. They've got non-perishable food items, water, all of that stuff. Those are the Boomer Doomers. But they have been shown to be, uh, you know, very impatient by what's happened recently for Oklahoma. Okay, so number nine right now in the uh, national rankings. Let's – that was like two weeks ago. I don't think they were 39 two weeks ago, but they were pretty low. They were lower. They were definitely maybe in the 20 – 27-28 range? Before Jaquay's Petaway committed, they were number 35. Wow. 35. So, yeah, in the span of two weeks now, they have legitimately gone That's from crazy. 39 to 9. Yeah. True Sooner, you're right. Yeah, but uh, see the old man, I, I don't remember things too well. Okay, so let's talk about guys who could be coming or maybe on their way to Oklahoma. And if you missed it, I'm going to ask Parker to do the percentages again that these players end up at Oklahoma that are still out there. Derek LeBlanc. 80%. Jacoby Johnson. 95%. Josiah Wagner. 70%. Uh, Jordan Renaud. 40%. Tassili uh, Akana. Cecilia Kana, I would say 60%. Anthony Evans. 65%. Makari Vickers. 70%. Anybody else I'm leaving out that we need to be talking about? I don't think so. I think you about covered the gamut on that one, at least among guys that should be deciding here uh, in the next month, month and a half. So, all right, did you say Renaud was at 40 or is that why? Renaud was at 40, yeah. Okay. And I the competition there is? Yeah, Alabama. Okay. It's Alabama. But you think there's a good chance of those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys that Oklahoma could get? You would be surprised if they didn't get what five, five of those seven guys, four of those seven guys. I I, I think they'll get at least five. Yeah, I would be surprised if they don't get five of those seven. And now, I feel like Jacoby Johnson is the easiest one to pinpoint. That's that's virtually a slam dunk. Uh, I think the Sooners are. Getting real close to if they if they haven't already like if it isn't already evident in the public eye that Derek LeBlanc is in all likelihood going to be a Sooner. I think people are starting to wise up to that and realize that uh, the Sooners are in position to get the commitment from the interior defensive lineman from Florida next week. So LeBlanc and Johnson are probably and like going back to the percentages, those are the two that I feel the best about right now. Feel great about Josiah Wagner as well as Makari Vickers and Tassilia Kana, all of whom are top 200 guys. Vickers and Akana are top 100 guys. And then, you know, we'll see what happens with the likes of Anthony Evans and Jordan Renaud. I don't think it's a surefire bet that those two end up at OU, but I would say OU is the leader right now in Evans' recruitment, and I think they're keeping things pretty tight with Alabama in the race for Renaud. Edric Hill, David Hicks. Edric Hill, I'm still not that high. Uh, my crystal ball favors Alabama right now. I would say it's a 30% chance Edric Hill's a Sooner. And with DJ Hicks, 25%. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to get much higher than that until we get some real tangible evidence that uh, not only is Oklahoma in a good spot, but that the field is narrowing. Because right now you have seven teams in competition for DJ Hicks's commitment. So Oklahoma's still there. They're in the running for David Hicks, at least. Certainly in the running. And we talked about this yesterday. Uh, Jackson Arnold got his fifth star. Again, he's basically five-star everywhere now. Uh, Four-star for Sammy Amasigo also. Didn't somebody else get their four-star also? I'm trying to think. I don't think anybody new besides Amasigo got star number four. Keon didn't get his? Keon still right on still the cusp three. of four-star territory. Still a very high three. And uh, are you thinking that is there anybody else in the class that's currently committed to Oklahoma that has a chance to get a fifth star? P.J. Adabare. 
Okay. That is that is my one answer. I don't think Jaquay's Petaway is going to have enough juice to get there. I don't think Caden Green's going to quite have enough juice. But and we talked about it yesterday on Locked In. PJ Adabare has the type of uh, physical skill set uh, that will potentially vault him into five-star territory. He's already a five-star on on three, and he's getting real close in the 24-7 rankings as he continues to ascend. So if there is a member of this class already committed that will be a five-star besides Jackson Arnold, my money is on P.J. Atabari. All right, I know we've got about a minute left. Malachi Coleman. Hmm. Kid from Nebraska. As far as Oklahoma's chances with him, Mm -hmm. 25% right now. I'm not overly optimistic. Is he a clear front runner? Would it be Nebraska? It's, it's it is Nebraska, and it's a very tenuous situation because I think so much depends on whether Nebraska wins. Right, right. If they if they don't win this fall, if they don't take a step up, Malachi Coleman's going to leave. Man, that's just that's the way things are going to shake out. So the if, OU Nebraska winner gets Malachi Coleman. That's what you're I, saying? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, Mule Shoes in it too. Mule shoes oh, in it too, gosh. but it looks like primarily a Nebraska OU battle right now. All right, there's your recruiting update. We'll talk a little more about what's going on in the world of college football, SEC media days. Apparently, Saban and Jimbo are best buddies now. Not really. But I thought Lane Kiffin had some interesting stuff to say about the future of college football. We'll jump into that and more of your texts when we get back. Thank you, Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They'll do a great job for you. Another hour to go here on this Tuesday. Hour two here on a Tuesday presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley. Great selection. Cars, trucks, SUVs, plus uh, they're getting all those used cars everybody's looking for right now. It is going to be a great situation for you buying and service after the sale at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. That great guarantee of oil changes and engines for life on Newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. That's a heck of a deal. All right, True Sooner, I'm your age. Yeah, True, I remember you over the years, man. I know. I, know, I, I remember you, True Sooner, and I know you You must have a little bit better uh, memory than I do. My Mine is failing a little bit these days. So I always feel like I've got so much going on every day. My brain feels like it's just going crazy. Maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe I need therapy, but I don't have time for therapy. There's no time. By the time I'm done with my day, and your day's a long one, Parker, I know every day, as much as you run around, I'm like, I want to sit on the couch, watch a sporting event, or watch some Netflix and go to bed within like two and a half hours. That's it. All right. Thanks again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Uh, I want to play a couple clips from Lane Kiffin from SEC Media Days yesterday. Um, you know, I, I don't know where you would categorize yourself right now, how you feel about the future of college football. The older I get, I'm more of a slippery slope dude. I always feel like when decisions are made out of pure greed, they never turn out that well. Mm, so you're going to start preaching hellfire and brimstone yes, here before Yes, I'm long. walking around with a sign, the end is near. When <laughs> you know That's what I'm doing right now. I'm that guy. I may get start digging my underground bunker. But uh, Lane Kiffin was asked yesterday at SEC Media Days in Birmingham, uh, what do you think college football is going to look like now in five years? I think that just depends on your view of things and what you consider better. I don't think it will be because um, – you know, maybe I'm not a traditionalist in a lot of areas because you have to evolve and how you run programs and change on offense. But um, I think for rivalries to be broken up and, um, you know, people that have been in conferences so long, like, you know, these four, you know, major teams have to move like they are, uh, you know, really, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's about money. And, you know, if it wasn't about money, they wouldn't be doing it. So. I don't think it's, I don't think it's really good um, for the history of college football. I don't think we'll look back and say, "Wow, that was awesome." There you go, Lane Kiffin. Not sounding super optimistic, as I said. We need Gordon Gecko from Wall Street, Michael Douglas, as the new uh, college football czar. Uh, Kiffin also said that he is not sure that the problems that everybody's talking about right now, NIL and the portal, are going to be fixed anytime soon. No idea, except for I don't know how that's going to be done very quickly. And like I've said, because people have not wanted 
to do this and just said, okay, it's going to go away. And I think people that, you know, programs or collectives, whatever you want to say, that don't figure it out, you know, um, it's going to be here for a while. So if they don't, I don't think they're going to have very good rosters in a few years. I think not only is here to stay until rules are changed, you're going to see more of it. So that wasn't just a novelty to go into the portal. You know, now you have, with NIL, could have been easy to predict if you knew what was going to happen. Okay, now you have the portal at the same time as the NIL. So now, usually the portal was, I'm not happy because I'm not playing, so I'm going to leave. Now you have, I'm not happy, I'm not playing like I want, I want to leave. Now you have, I'm a whole group that's going to be, I'm playing really well, I want to go make more money. So to me, you're going to see more people in the portal, and that's already started to happen. Yeah, and that's part of the deal. I, I think he hit the nail on the head right there, Parker, where you're seeing the portal now also being used as a financial transaction, right? I mean, I'm sure probably the bigger majority, the, the vast majority of the players are still looking for a better opportunity to get playing time. But there are some of those there that are thinking, you know what, I got a better opportunity to make more money if I head to wherever. And we saw that happen with a kid from Kansas State in basketball, right? I mean, the the portal can also be like a PayPal portal transaction where it's it's about the money in some of these cases. So I don't know. And I want to ask people out there on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, where do you think that college football is going to be in five years? Do you think it's going to be better or worse? And explain your reasoning. Do you think it's going to be better or worse? And kind of explain what you're thinking. One listener says, yeah, Steely, you tell them to get off your yard. I, You know, it's too hot to actually tell anybody. If they want to get in the yard today, today's a good day to do it because I'm not venturing outdoors. As long can as you ye- bring a hose with you, right? I, I can yell from a window or something, you know, or put a sign up, get, get off my lawn, but I don't know. I also feel the same way as the steel man, says one listener from the 918. My brain is scrambled at the end of the day. I think it's natural for all of us that were around before smartphones. Maybe, yeah. There, there seems to be information overload a little bit, but uh, yeah. So anyway, what do you guys think? What do you guys think again about whether college football will be in a better spot in five years or will it be the same? Will it be worse? And kind of explain. This is like a blue book exam. Now, you can't write the whole blue book in the whole blue book. Just do a page. I was always good at the blue book exam because you could BS your way through the blue book exam. And I think there was a little bit of luck involved with the blue book exam. Uh, Professor, if your blue book was down, like, let's say he had 40 to do and yours fell, like, in spot 33, then I think he was like, you know what, B minus or B, B plus. I'm so tired of these damn blue books. So either my blue books fell in a very good spot, landing spot, or my BS worked. But I could always ace the blue book exam. Okay, uh, let's get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Parker, you pick. Worse, college football is about playing for your school, and when you add the money to it, it's just the junior NFL. So says one listener from here in the 405. Well, how many times have you heard college coaches, One of the, it's not like one of the biggest cliches, but it's certainly in the realm of cliches you hear quite frequently. It's about the name in the front of the jersey, not the back, right? And now it seems like it's more, you might as well flip the jersey around because with some of these kids, it seems like it's more about the name in the back than it is the name in the front. And it is. Yeah. That's... That's how things naturally evolve when money enters the picture, right? Because you saw with Jordan Addison, all those rumblings last week that Jordan Addison's pissed about the situation at USC. He's not getting the stuff that he was promised. Uh, USC isn't delivering on what uh, what they assured him he would receive if he transferred from Pitt. That's going to become the norm, Mike, because... Look, unless there's a contract, unless there's pen on paper, none of these collectives, none of these boosters, none of these programs are – they're not obligated to follow through on anything that they dangle in front of a student-athlete to try and get them to play football at their institution. You could be creating a lot of Texases out there, right? Because – the big money boosters, man, I paid, uh, you know, $275,000 for that five-star wide receiver, and that's probably low. 
But how come he's not playing? Well, guess what? I'm not giving to the collective anymore. You know, that kind of situation might just happen. You know, we always use the analogy of Pandora's box when talking about NIL, but it really is the perfect analogy. I mean, it is the perfect analogy because as soon as that legislation became official last July 1st, this all became one giant snowball that is getting increasingly impossible to stop. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know who's going to be there to try and stop it from going downhill. Nobody appears to want that task right now. we got some good ones rolling in, man, on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. One listener says Kiffin is spot on. CFB is circling the drain. Burley Boomer says the purists will hate college football in five years, but it's a change I'm going to try to roll with just because I love it so much. There will be some good caps and adjustments implemented to the NIL system, and that will help. Not sure if it will be worse, just different. You know what? That's a pretty good answer right there. You know, I don't know how old you are, Burley Boomer, but I'll be turning 59 in August, and I don't want to sound like the old man, but I'm I'm going to roll with it too. Am I concerned? Yes. But am I going to stop watching college football ever, even if it becomes, you know, even if they uh, the stats include, if you're looking at player X from Ohio State and it mentions, you know, reception yards, touchdowns, NIL dollars, I'm still going to keep watching because I love college football. But I am a little bit uh, – I figured you seem like you might be in about my age, age range. But I like I like that take. You Early know? Boomer is don't 54. Give up. Yeah, so there you go. Don't give up. Like that old David Soul song back in the 70s. Don't give up on us, baby. Oklahoma Johnny says, if your college program is in one of the have – conferences big 10 slash sec it may be all right if you're in the have not conferences it's probably going to suck the heydays of college football have passed unfortunately the traditions rivalries histories pageantries are being lost you know what's weird with the ou texas move we get some of those rivalries back you get a&m texas at some point you get texas arkansas Texas Arkansas played in one of the biggest games ever in the in what the was it sixty nine the year or was it earlier than that the Cotton Spryer touchdown and uh, Texas winning that game uh, in Fayetteville rallying to to beat the Razorbacks and Richard Nixon in the locker room with Daryl Royal presenting him you know with the national championship uh, so that'll be back as well but yeah it's I don't know it's look it's just the way it is right now. And I'm just hoping that we can have – if we can have college football 90% of what it is right now, five years from now, I'll be happy with that. Uh, And if we can get this stuff worked out and get some people to regulate it to a certain extent and all come together, whether it's collective bargaining or what, to make sure that we somewhat level the playing field. Nick Saban, again, I think he was on the money today at SEC Media Days. He says, you know, these super conferences, which obviously Bama is a part of and they're the king – uh, it's like a caste system, man. You're either with royalty or you're down there with the serfs and the plebes. And uh, we don't we don't want that. But it appears to be heading in that direction. We've got a bunch of really good texts coming in. Really good stuff. So we're going to get to as many as we can. 405-651-3439. 651-3439. And I will bump us with Tom Petty, regardless of Why what Kevin in Tulsa thinks. Ah, uh, you know, music, it's all subjective. But uh, so Kevin can have his opinion. He's wrong, but he can have his opinion. Stay with us. We shall return. Okay, we're welcome back. Apparently the uh, – Big 12 and the Pac-12 went out on a date, and the day didn't go so well. Or maybe it was just uh, one didn't swipe right. Or maybe they did. I don't even know how that works. But you know what I'm saying? It just didn't, uh, at least for now, it's a no-go for the uh, Big 12 and the Pac-12. Man, the Pac-12 cannot buy a win, too. Because wasn't the Pac- wasn't the Alliance a Pac-12 concept originally? I, I think so, yes. Are you surprised that uh, – I, I guess I'm really stupid, and you guys probably know that by listening to me, but uh, I thought Oregon had a little bit bigger of a, a brand out there. They do. So they why, do. why isn't anybody – you know, Oregon would be a good get for a conference. And, and, you know, you can talk about UW, University of Washington, Seattle. But Oregon, you know, Phil Knight, 
Nike, obviously, he built that brand, and Oregon football became a big brand uh, through uniforms and promotion and everything else. Plus, they played some pretty good football. They cheat at Autzen Stadium when Gordon Reese is up there in the replay booth, but you know what I'm saying? I just thought, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because they, uh, you know, they're in that conference right now, and I'm not sure who else is really a big prospect in that conference. But you would consider Oregon a pretty good brand, right? Yeah, I just think. I mean, still, look what they're recruiting right now. They've got a, They're recruiting well. Yeah, I just, I just, and I don't know why. TV they market haven't right aligned themselves with the Big Ten in particular because if I'm the Big Ten and I'm bringing along USC and UCLA, why not just grab Oregon too while mm-hmm. I'm at it? You know, and maybe it has to do with. Uh, symmetry. Maybe it has to do with the fact that there's not another team besides Oregon that they want to bring in, and you don't want to have a conference with 17 teams because that's just a weird number. Well, and you can talk about, well, you know, what TV market does Oregon bring? Well, isn't Oregon a national brand? I think they are. Uh, But maybe you're right. Maybe there isn't another one to bring along if you were going to pick two out of that conference. Um, you know, Utah's been really good recently, but I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. All right, we have asked you the question. Lane Kevin talking about, man, he's, he's not real uh, optimistic about how college football is going to look in five years. We ask you the same question, better or worse, and what's your explanation? And uh, here we go. Let's get back to the Air Comfort Solutions uh, text line. When someone asks me what's my favorite Tom Petty song, my answer is yes. Keep it bumping, boys. Love the show. <laughs> I wanted you guys to know that my radio is on from 6 to 6, but my favorite time of the day is noon to 2. Appreciate that. And guess what? The great thing about the Ref Sports Radio Network is that you can't go wrong from 6 to 6. No, man. I uh, When I came here and I was previously doing a, uh, you know, a job in Tulsa, uh, and I, I liked the, uh, the PD there, Kevin Ward, and I go back a long time, and I enjoyed my time there. I love Pat Jones. Eric G was there. And I enjoyed that. But when this opportunity came available, I thought, man, I'll have a chance to work with T-Row and TJ and uh, Chris Plank and Tyler McComas. I think always worked so hard. And, and Teddy, of course. I didn't know I didn't know Josh hardly at all. Uh, and Josh is excellent. I, I didn't know you. I'd seen you on Twitter. But when they approached me and they said, you know, you'll be working, we want you to team up with Parker Thune, I said, all right, well, I've seen some of his Twitter stuff, you know, and looks pretty good. And, he, and they said, well, Toby thinks he's going to be a rising star. So I said, okay, that's good enough for me. I'm in. So it is um, – it's, it's a really good place to work. I like our ownership group and I like everybody here. There are no giant egos here, which I always helps. Um, and everybody works hard. Here's a good point on the Air Comfort Solutions text line from a listener in the 909 area code. Oregon's market brings no dollars. Money. Yeah. Which is a like I hadn't thought about it that way because Oregon as a program is a sizable and lucrative brand. Right. But Eugene, Oregon. Well, and the, is that's not exactly a hotbed. TV market. Portland's not a great TV market. I think that Oklahoma City is a bigger, if I'm not mistaken, uh, bigger TV market than Portland. It's it's got to be very similar, I would think. But yeah, I I don't know. I still think Oregon, though. But it's all about what you bring to the uh, you know to the table in terms of how much money can you bring to conference with your profile. So there you go. Another listener says, you think SEC fan pride is annoying now? Wait till there's only two or three power conferences. Yeah, if if they all got to 16, that would be 48. And uh, then you would maybe have, you know, 48 teams playing for a championship. And then uh, the other uh, teams that get left out, that would be in a almost like a, I don't want to say AAA because that's kind of offensive, but it would almost seem that way, wouldn't it? Playing for another level championship? I don't know. Or would there be, you know, in the super conferences, maybe they'd put a two a couple at-larges in there for what might be a group of five conference then. I, I don't know. We just don't know. But it looks to me like the NCAA is still sitting on their, you know, what, not doing a whole lot about this. And I think they're afraid well, because, of litigation. Because the NCAA is a lame duck. Mm, yeah. I, Why does the NCAA still exist? I, You know, that's a very good question. 
That's a very good At question. At this point, what is the NCAA doing to contribute to the greater good in college athletics? They run am a bit. I, the am NCAA, I short-sighted if I'm, answer, if I'm asking that question? The NCAA not runs seeing? events. They run the basketball tournament. They run the rat, you know, all the championships. But other than that, they they seem like they have been, you know, they're the 98-pound weakling out there in this thing. They don't carry any strength or they just don't carry much weight right now at all, right? They're lifting Benny uh, Wiley's kettlebells. So essentially what would need to happen – in order to abolish the NCAA. Correct me if I'm wrong here. That would entail uh, each of the conferences adopting their own system of governance that resembles or parallels the NCAA, and it would entail the conferences collectively organizing championship events, yes. like tournaments and right. such. You know, basically to me, the NCAA is running the tournaments now. That's what they're there for more than anything else. All right, you want to get a couple more texts in before we get to the uh, next break? NCAA is East Germany. Hmm. Did you ever see any of the uh, female East German shot putters back in the day? No, I did not. That was probably – that was had to have been before my time. They were big, and they could put the shots – and they most of them had underarm hair like Sasquatch. <laughs> uh, another listener says maybe the Big Ten is waiting on Notre Dame before inviting Oregon. That seems to be what's happening. Notre Dame like- is is Notre Dame the biggest fish out there? Yes, without question, without question. Bigger than Clemson, bigger than anybody else. Still, I, yes. I look because Notre Dame's been a national brand forever. Notre Dame. Still has, I would say Alabama probably has the better tradition right now overall, but it's hard to, Notre Dame's still right there in the top two or three. Being up in Oregon, says this listener, I think the biggest issue is the pairing with other Pac-12 schools. UW, that being the University of Washington, makes the most sense, but they're in a similar boat to what OU and OSU went through with the SEC divorce, or Big 12 divorce, I think is what that uh, listener intends to say. Basically that... One of them carries a lot of water, and the other one does not. That's the situation that Oregon and Washington are in, which that listener is speculating has made things more difficult. Uh, another another one says, I have a feeling with this NBC-Notre Dame deal, um, the Big 12 – okay, so this text is somewhat incoherent. I'm trying to figure out exactly what it says. I have a feeling – This NBC-Notre Dame deal with the Big 12 includes getting the Big 12 to 20 and bringing in a few big fish, possibly Oregon and a few others. With the timing of the 2025, it would not surprise me if they announced the new teams by the end of the summer. So uh, there kind of has been some speculation over the last 24, 48 hours in particular uh, that maybe Notre Dame ends up joining the Big 12 and that maybe even after we uh, wrote the eulogy and carved the headstone for the Big 12 as a conference – if not last summer, certainly this summer, the Big 12 might actually survive. So we'll see what happens there. I am i don't know what to believe at this point. I don't know what to think. I don't know what's fact and what's fiction when it comes to realignment. Obviously, it's not something that most anybody in the sports media world outside the top-flight national reporters like Pete Thamel, for instance, have reliable and sourced intel on so uh, another listener says nit should push to steal high-ranked teams to kill the ncaa that's right i didn't think about that the nit is not ncaa sanctioned right the nit is separate from the ncaa as i understand it yeah i believe so yeah yeah oklahoma johnny says on that note i'd like to say thank you to all you guys on the radio from 6a to 6p at kref you have completely ruined my sports talk radio experience for any show outside of that time frame, Monday through Friday. I find myself simply not caring at all about any other program and turn the radio off. So you guys need to figure out how to cover weekends at least because I just turn my radio off. Maybe one day, Oklahoma Johnny, maybe one day we'll be running live programming all week long. Well, you got the weekends, uh, you may not be a uh golf fan but we've got uh the gimme zone which is excellent if you like golf 
Big time. I'm going to send you a picture of the East German shot putter. All right. Oh, no. You ready for do, this? Do I want to see? Yeah. Do I want There's to? nothing dirty about it. I'm just telling you that they. Right. Is, is, it, is, is it worth seeing? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, we I'm waiting. The East German shot putter. I'm waiting for this text the to come through. There was uh, some uh, some doping going on. Oh. More than Cheech and Chong were doping back okay. in the day. Okay. Good Lord. That's. That's an individual right there. Yeah. Burley Boomer says, I concur with Oklahoma Johnny. Thank you, Burley Boomer. Thank you, thank you. And uh, 503, the Boz had it right. National communist against athletes. Oh, the old T-shirt back in the Orange Bowl, and that was it for the Boz back in the day. Even he said he thought later he that was a mistake. I think in that, uh, you know, Boz 30 for 30 that our friend Wallace Mars produced in Houston. I think he still has that T-shirt in storage somewhere. Speaking of heat waves, they're getting ridiculous here. Totally ridiculous. All right, let's take a break right here. Get more texts in when we come back. And Nick Saban and Jimbo, are they still feuding? We'll find out. 